In December 2013, chikungunya fever, which has generally been confined to Africa and southern Asia, appeared in the Caribbean. The virus has since spread to many areas in the Americas, including parts of the United States. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci has co-authored a perspective article on the current chikungunya epidemic and the history of the disease. Dr. Fauci, although the current outbreak is being described as chikungunya's first appearance in the Americas, you say that some historians believe that it caused a pandemic in the Western Hemisphere in the 1820s, but that that epidemic was called dengue at the time. Why do some historians believe that it was really chikungunya? Well, when they go back and look at the descriptions of it, it looks a fair amount more like chikungunya than it does dengue. Chikungunya and dengue both obviously are vector-borne diseases that cause fever and flu-like syndromes as their primary symptomatology. But the serious arthralgia and joint involvement, which really gives chikungunya its name, it comes from the Kimakande language, which means contorted or bent over. When one thinks in terms of historical anecdotal reports, as well as Looking at the patterns of chikungunya and their spread from Asia to southern and central Africa, back to Asia, and then over, many historians feel that there's a reasonable assumption that we, in fact, did have when there was a global spread of chikungunya back more than 100 plus years ago, that it did get to the Western Hemisphere and then essentially disappeared from the Western Hemisphere which is the reason why we titled the perspective in the journal as Deja Vu all over again, question mark. We're not sure of that, but it certainly is a reasonable possibility. And for the current epidemic, since your perspective article was posted, it's continued to spread. So can you give us an updated status report? How many cases have been reported? How extensive is the geographic reach? Well, in the perspective that we wrote, we gave the real-time suspected plus confirmed, which is real disease, because even though the majority of them are suspected, the clinical syndrome is pretty unmistakable. In the perspective, we were talking about 355,000 suspected and confirmed cases. And as of last week, it's now up to 570,000. So it really is a fair amount, almost doubling since that time. And given the geographic distribution of the two mosquito vectors, how much farther do you think this might spread? Well, certainly there are now already travel-associated imported cases in different states, the most of which is in Florida because of the geographical proximity to the Caribbean. But we've had imported cases as far north as Connecticut. We've seen some in Maine. We've seen some in the New England area. So. Clearly, there are close to 500 travel-associated imported cases, but there are also some locally transmitted cases, the bulk of which is in Puerto Rico, over 200, but there have been four in Florida. And locally transmitted, as you well know, means that these people never left Florida. Someone probably came in from the Caribbean, got bit by a mosquito, and they were already carrying the chikungunya virus, and then that same mosquito bit someone else. So then one could imagine that, how much is this going to spread? I don't believe, based on the dengue patterns that we've seen, that we are going to see the kind of explosive outbreak 
that we're seeing in the Caribbean. But I do think it's entirely conceivable that we will see clusters of outbreaks in particularly the southern parts of the country, which abut geographically the Caribbean. But recall with dengue, when dengue exploded from South America to the Caribbean, including in Puerto Rico, we had dengue cases that were breaking out first in the Everglades and then in Miami-Dade County and then in one or two other states. And then it stopped. And I believe that's the case because we have seasonal strong seasons here in the United States, even in our southern states. So it isn't an optimal milieu for mosquitoes year-round to propagate an ongoing, I wouldn't say epidemic, but an ongoing presence of disease essentially all year round. We're not going to see that in the United States. So I would say expect to see cases of chikungunya, expect to maybe even see a couple of clusters, but major outbreaks of this vector-borne disease, I don't think we will see. And in terms of severity of disease, how does this outbreak compare with previous ones? Well, it's really about the same. If you look at the outbreaks, particularly the ones that occurred just a few years ago in Africa and then in India, where they had millions of cases, the death rate is very low. It's about one in a thousand, usually in people who have some degree of compromise, either the elderly, pregnant women, very, very young children and infants are the ones that are the most susceptible to getting serious complications. The pattern of serious arthralgias is really classical. It's textbook, not much different in the outbreak in the Caribbean than what we were seeing in India and in Southern Africa. The interesting thing about the arthralgias, although about 20% of them, even after a year, still have recurrent joint pain. So in most of the individuals, it will disappear and they'll be fine. But one out of five are going to go on to have, over a period of a few months, even up to a year, to have arthralgias. What should clinicians know about first diagnosing chikungunya and second, treating it, including treating those long-term effects? Well, very good point. That brings up something that is almost counterintuitive with regard to chikungunya. First of all, there is no specific antiviral treatment for chikungunya, and we are just actually working on now and have completed and published a phase one trial of a chikungunya vaccine. So one thing you need to do is to identify predominantly from a travel history. So right now, as I mentioned, in the continental United States, there have been only four locally transmitted cases in Florida, although in the total United States, including Puerto Rico, there have been a considerable number, over 200. So if you are a practicing physician in any state in the United States and someone comes in with the abrupt onset of really severe arthralgias with no other explanation, no history of rheumatoid arthritis, no history of anything else, and it looks more severe than the usual aches that you would see when someone has a standard flu-like viral illness, it's important always to take a travel history and ask if they had been recently in the Caribbean. The reason we mention that is because it is an interesting observation 
that the anti-inflammatory agents that you would normally almost intuitively give for someone who comes in with unexplained arthralgias, in some cases can actually make the arthralgias worse, which tells us that it is not necessarily the inflammatory response, but the actual virus itself causing the discomfort and the arthralgias. And you really want to let the immune system and the inflammatory response essentially suppress the virus rather than trying to suppress the response that is in fact suppressing the virus. Really quite counterintuitive when you think of arthralgias. So you mentioned possible antivirals, monoclonal antibodies, and vaccines. Where do those things stand? Well, the vaccines are certainly the furthest advance in the developmental process as opposed to any specific antiviral agent, which is still in the real early preclinical stages. They are quite early. They're in development. The thing that, as I mentioned, is the furthest ahead in a countermeasure, if you want to call it, is a preventive approach, namely a vaccine that uses virus-like particles, appears to be quite immunogenic, safe, and really well tolerated in a phase one clinical trial that was conducted right here at the NIH. But again, as with all vaccines, it's going to take a few years before it goes through the licensure process. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. 